Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of New Growth. I am your host, Nikki Walton. And today we are continuing with the teacher series with my new friend, Seth Paul Singh. He is absolutely an amazing teacher um, that you can find on Instagram at nanak.nam. I think it might have been a friend that started sending me um, beautiful posts that were from their page before. And I came across a video, I believe on my own, and it was so powerful that I actually transcribed it myself and put it in the um, caption of several posts now, like maybe two or three posts. And I'm going to read it to you. So if you're somewhere safe, like not driving and you're comfortable, I'd prefer you close your eyes and just kind of marinate in his words. I'm going to try to deliver it the way that he did. These are his words verbatim. I just typed them up for Insta. So here we go. If we close our eyes, you will see that after your thoughts, behind your mind, behind your identity, there's something there. There's a presence. We like to call that presence me. I am there. And if you close your eyes, you will see that it's like a person in the room. The room isn't empty. There's somebody in the room. Recall it me. That's your life energy. That's the very thing that's alive inside you. And this aliveness is what some people call consciousness and what some have called God. It's permanently switched on and it wasn't born when the body was born. It's always happy. It doesn't need anything more to become happy. But Maya doesn't let us look at this something, since it's a delusion that the physical world is the ultimate reality. So Nam is saying, don't look at the material world. There's something behind the material world. Focus on that. Focus on where the material world came from. Nam Simran is constantly reminding us, don't get lost in this game. And you notice that this game is very easy to get lost in, right? Why? Because Maya is a very tasty wine. And we are drinking this wine all the time. We are swimming in this wine. And every now, every now and then, we remember a bit of them and we get out of the system. But then we forget and we go back in the system. And then we remember again over and over. This is why Nam Simran is a 24-hour practice, 24 hours a day. What you're meditating on is this is not real. This is not reality. Ram Nam is the real reality. Why Guru, why Guru, that which is behind Maya is the reality. Maya itself is not the reality. So it is giving you a new habit. We are meditating every day, but what we are usually meditating on is Maya. Nam is giving us something new to meditate on that is beyond Maya. It is telling us to meditate on that which is behind Maya, the essence, the real reality, that creative energy that created the Maya itself. This aliveness that is neither your body nor your mind. It's that light bulb inside the house that's just switched on. Nam is reminding you that this is the essence of who you are and this is the essence of everything. That's so powerful. I hope that was as powerful for you as it was for me. For me, I had been practicing um, mantra, um, actually a repetition of the divine names, like for many years off and on. And to hear it described so eloquently and 
I mean, it's spot on. So I, I'd love for you, um, first of all, to welcome you to the show and then for you to just kind of expound upon those beautiful words that you shared with the world. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for welcoming me on the show. I got goosebumps just listening to that myself. And I always say that I'm not the teacher uh, in, in my tradition. There is only one teacher, which is the wisdom itself. And we are all the students. So I always say that I'm not the teacher of this wisdom. I'm simply relaying how the wisdom has impacted my life. And if, if anything that I can say can help someone else, then, then that's the power of the wisdom itself. That's not me. Uh, so. You're transparent to the wisdom. It's flowing through that instrument. I, well, I, I think what it is, is that the wisdom is constantly having an impact on my own life. I'm constantly forgetting and I'm constantly leaning into this wisdom and saying, what do I need to do? How have I forgotten what the best way to live and the best way to think is? Mm. And then I'm reminded by this wisdom again and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's what I forgot what I forgot to do. So <laughs> like the wisdom really is something that's not something that I create in any way. It really is an entity in its own right and it's this timeless, beautiful wisdom that's always been there. And I love to say that there are so many problems in the world right now. So many people are dealing with issues to do with uh, mental health and anxiety. And, and what I always like to say is, you know, human beings, we have solutions to this. Human beings have worked out the solutions to these problems. And unfortunately, this wisdom just seems to be locked away. And we, we, we like to lock it away in, in, in this horrible word called religion. Yes. And as soon as we, we do that, what you do is, is you package the wisdom with a whole bunch of other rituals and practices, which are all meant to help you understand that wisdom. But people get lost in, in, in the, the practices and the traditions, and somehow the wisdom gets lost. And, and my effort is always to just try and help people understand that, hey, this wisdom is for everyone. It doesn't yes. matter what you look like or what language you speak. The wisdom really is a wisdom about humanity and mankind's way of thinking. Yeah, making it accessible. It sounds like that's what your mission is, to make this wisdom accessible to everyone, to meet them Absolutely. where they are. And, and, and to just show uh, mankind that we have the solutions to a lot of our own problems. And we, we're the creator of a lot of our own problems. Yes. <laughs> but we also have the solutions there. It's, yeah. it's already there. And, and, and we just need to do a better job of helping each other and sharing this wisdom. Excellent. So tell me um, if you were speaking with somebody that is not affiliated with any religion and they're, they're looking for peace in these very, very uncertain times, these scary times, what would be your first, like your go-to um, practice or teaching that you would share with them to help them find that peace that's not tied to stuff out here, to Maya? Yeah, I think this is such a common problem that we face. And one of the first things that we do is we start focusing on the things in our life that are missing. And we give so much weight to that one thing which is missing that we forget all the other things that we have in our lives. And, and I always just like to remind people that just take a moment, whenever you feel like you have this negative thinking and these negative thoughts that are building up, just take a moment, learn a practice that allows you to just go back and look at what you actually do have in your life. And, and most people take things that are so fundamental for granted. Like if you woke up in a bed, that's amazing. Exactly. If you have a comfortable yeah. bed, if you have food in the fridge, if you went and switched the light on and the light came on, or you, you turned the fan or the air conditioning on, all of those things are things that you've just completely forgotten. And 
and think about the, the, the perspective. Think about your problem and now think about if all these things were missing as well. If these things were missing, how important would your problem be in life? And, and that's not to take away some real issues that people are going through. And it's such a difficult time right now. I mean, it, we can't even imagine people are worried about losing loved ones, losing their jobs. How are they going to pay their bills? Are they going to be able to still live in their homes? There's a lot of problems that are going on. But I always say that when, when you have a problem in life, what you end up doing is you end up creating two problems. One is the actual external circumstance itself, which you can't always deal with straight away. But the other is your emotional response to that. And so when we create two problems, we always focus on the outside. What's the thing that I, what's the problem out there that, that somehow needs to just go away? And what I remind people of is, hang on, what's, what's the problem in here first? Let's just kind of work on trying to deal with your emotional response. If you deal with your emotional response in a better way, then you can kind of clearly see what that problem is. You're not so worried about mm -hmm. the, the, the thoughts that are running in your head. You're able to, to sit back and be a little bit clear and think, right, what do I need to do to solve this problem? But you're not having that, that emotional turmoil that's going on within you. So learn to deal with what's going on within you first. And How then does that look? How does problem. that specific thing look? I, the women that I work with all the time, we're always talking about a lot of them have found that peace within, you know, through practicing for many, many years and they're able to recognize it. But in those moments of turmoil, when that energy inside, that turbulence is really, really, really significant, it feels like it eclipses. And I'm speaking for myself as well. It feels like it eclipses that peace. Um, so what, how does that look for you? Like where you are, like how does, how do you experience peace in the chaos inside? And I think for me, it's really about creating a daily habit, a daily habit of bringing yourself back into that peace. I use the analogy that it's like learning how to swim. You don't want to learn how to swim the day you fall in the pool or the day you fall in, in difficult waters. Yes. You need to learn how to swim every single day so that when difficulty comes, you know how to swim across. And the same is true for practicing peace. Like every day we need to practice being in a state of tranquility and stillness and calmness within us. And what it allows you to do is it creates this baseline within you. I call it your new default. Like most of us who yeah. don't have a spiritual practice, the default state is to be in the mind, always worrying, always thinking, always listening to the first thought that your mind says and Believing it. Believing it. <laughs> believing it. I saw this amazing um, post on social media that says, don't believe everything you think. Yep. And that's what we do. We live within the mind. So that's our default space to live within the mind. And when we begin to develop a daily practice, what we do is our, our default state now becomes this tranquility. So what you realize is that I know what peace within me feels like. I can switch it on. I can tap into it whenever I need to. So when the emotional wave rises, when you start to worry, you know, hey, this is not how I'm meant to feel. I know how to get back to that space. I know how to get back into that calmness. But that comes with practice. And I always say to people, you need to just find any practice that means that you learn how to be still, how to be joyful and calm, regardless of what's going on outside. So that when difficulty comes, and, and that does happen with, with, with life, things, does, things do have a, have a habit of just 
happening that are beyond our expectation. But what we realize then is I don't have to always live with it in that emotion. And that doesn't mean that you're never going to feel stressed or you're never going to get angry. I mean, I have kids and I get stressed most mornings just trying to get them ready to go to drop them to school. Yeah. Like where are your socks? (laughs) Where's your shoe? Where's your other shoe? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we have to remind them to pack their bags and, and, and even though we might've told them 10 times, we take on the stress of that. And so, so you do go through those, those emotional roller coasters, but what it means is I think when you have a practice is that you don't stay on those highs and those lows, you come back to that kind of tranquil middle ground. which is something that you just learn how to go back to your default state. Yeah. I like that default state, like your home base. And so I could see like for me with those highs and lows before having a practice, I'd stay low longer than I do now. And now there's, it's almost like there's always that awareness of peace in the background. So the highs and lows are coming in peace and that fills it's a little bit more comforting, (laughs) you know, than just being up there at the top and then up, you know, down there at the bottom, but recognizing that it's coming and going, all of those things are coming and going in peace. And I think what what we need is one of the things that I'm, I'm a really strong advocate for is learning spiritual practices combined with the, with the wisdom, with the, with the well-being wisdom that comes with it. And I, I feel these days, far too often, everybody wants to learn yoga and mindfulness and they want to mm-hmm. download an app and, and they want to learn some practices that very quickly just brings them back into this calm state. But we also need to learn a little bit more about how does my mind work? And you need to mm-hmm. kind of, in, in, in doing that practice, you almost need to have a bit more awareness of, hey, why did my mind do that? Let me, mm-hmm. let me not do that. What, what was my mind doing that time? So you start to become a little bit more familiar with that internal landscape. You start to realize how to navigate through those highs and lows. And so what's really useful is having a teacher, a guide, a wisdom that you can fall back on that actually tells you, this is why the mind thinks like that. This is why you ended up going low. And our highs and our lows, we realize when we, when we read the spiritual wisdom, is it all comes down to attachments. Mm. There's something that we built an attachment to. And there's something that we created an expectation that I need to have that or I need to hold on to that. And as soon as that attachment or that thing that we're holding on to is shaken or taken away from us, then all of a sudden we start to feel really low. And so it isn't just a question of, okay, I need to get back into my peace. It's about right? That may be what I need right now, but I also need to understand that I built a bridge to something that wasn't going to last. I Mm. built an attachment to something that I shouldn't have. And it's about just learning to to enjoy life, but not hold on to it Mm. and just celebrate the things that you have and enjoy all of the pleasures that you have in your life and all the comforts that you have, but not to build this unrealistic expectation that this is going to last and all these things need to stay where they are in order for me to be happy. And it's not just about learning how to be peaceful. It's about learning how not to create those attachments in the first place. That's beautiful. And that only comes from wisdom. So tell me how that looks, you think, for folks um, across the board. I know that we all have our different traditions and our backgrounds, but is there something that you think um, would help that's more universal. Yeah, I think for me, when we look at the nature of suffering, when we look at why do we go down these, these lows, what the key word that sticks out for me is resistance. Mm. 
And one of the things that I've learned that's a universal truth with all human beings is we hold on to things. And when they begin to go, when things that we are in love with, people that we love, ideas, opinions, lifestyles that we fall in love with and we, we, we're attached to, when they begin to break, when those bonds begin to break, it's not the fact that things are going away that causes us harm. It's mm. the resistance that they, to, that, to that, the fact that they're going away. Yeah. We are resisting. In our mind, we're not flowing with life. We're not just allowing life to flow as it is. There's a beautiful phrase that I, that I absolutely love to live by, which teaches us the power of acceptance and teaches us, reminds us how to be in acceptance. And the phrase is, if it comes, let it come. And if it goes, let it go. And I always tell my kids this. I've been teaching this to my kids ever since they were one or two years old. And I try and use little analogies like, I call it the Frozen Mantra because one of the most famous movies in um, animated movies was Frozen and the most favorite song is Let It Go. Yes. And actually that's a mantra. <laughs> yeah. That's a mantra to every moment, let it go. Not because we have a pessimistic way of looking at life, because everything in life has to go anyway. Yeah. Everything is going. We're just not letting it go. Right. So don't hold on to anything. And Telling ourselves stories, it shouldn't go. This shouldn't be happening. Or right, I should absolutely. get this thing in the future and it's not happening. And now I'm hurting, you know. Absolutely. Like, so we, we realize that the, the cause of suffering is actually just our mental narrative. Is the story that's going on all the time. And this is why for me, Nam or mantra is so powerful because what it does is it actually gives you a tool to override the internal story. Mm. Because the, the, but I, I always say that, that, that we're, man, we're meditating all the time. But that was we're the meditating. most powerful part in that quote. Like we're always meditating on something and usually it's Maya. And I'm like, I've yeah. never heard it put that way. A Maya for you all that you don't know, it means like illusion, right? Yeah. So constantly meditating on things that are passing and you're attached to them <laughs> and they're passing and that's what they do. That was really, really powerful. So, so I, I take a simple example. If there's someone who has been unkind to you, who's been mean to you, who said something that you don't like, what you realize is long after the argument, long after they've said it to you, you just keep playing that story again and again and again in your mind. And I try to remind people, hey, if you say you don't like that person, why are you meditating on them? Why is that person your meditation? That's become your meditation, just constantly repeating that story. And this is what I mean about when you, when you follow a practice with a wisdom, you begin to start to understand oh, this is how I think. My mind is constantly playing a story to itself and I need to have the tools that override that story because that story is simply the thing that's causing harm and causing me, 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 me pain. I mean, you look at scientific studies now and, and, and what they say is that when you have a trauma that happens in your life, I don't know if anyone's been unfortunate enough to be involved in a car accident, but one thing you'll notice is for the rest of that day and well into the night, you just keep having that car accident replaying in your mind all the time. And so what the, what the, what the scientific uh, wisdom is telling us now is that your body doesn't know the difference between a trauma that's happening now or a trauma that just keeps playing in your mind. The same stress hormones are being released if you continue to have those traumatic thoughts going on in your mind. So what we're doing is we're prolonging the trauma that we experience for a short period of time, we just keep that going. And it's, and it's completely natural. It's not, 
to blame anyone. That's just how the mind works. And so if you can then learn the power of using words, because your mind is always using words anyway, your mind is just having a story all the time. And if you know how to use words to override that story, then it, it, those words now become the tool that bring you back into that tranquility. Yeah. So that's what Nam and Mantra does for me. It just allows me wherever I am, because this is amazing. I don't have to be sitting down to do it. I don't have to close my eyes to do it. I'm sitting on the train on the way to work and I'm, and I'm just reciting a mantra. And it's Driving the car and the grocery the store. Yeah. Anytime. And I'm just walking around. And in fact, it's, it's one of the most blissful experiences when you're just walking around and you have that going on. And, and today with, with technology, we're so lucky. At any point, I can just put my headphones on and I can just put something on, some mantra music, some meditation music. And it just brings me back into that state. And I feel so fortunate to be able to access this powerful tool that's mm-hmm. just available to us all the time. And even if you, you don't have to sit down and do it and, 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 and take out 20 minutes of your day, you just start your day and start doing it. Even I always tell people when, when you're brushing your teeth in, in, in the morning or you're taking a shower, you'll notice your mind is just lost in some random thought and it doesn't need to be. And you can use a mantra to just bring you into the present moment and say, can I just be present and enjoy everything that's happening at this moment? I don't need to be planning a holiday or thinking about work or you know, starting my, my day by opening my emails and checking social media. I don't need to do that. My mind has got enough going on as it is. So it's just having these practices and the tools that kind of bring you back into your equilibrium. Yes. And, doing that regularly is, is so powerful. So for someone, the example you gave of someone meditating on someone that angered them, right? And they're constantly noticing thoughts about that. It seems like there has to be a certain level of awareness already there for them to bring in the mantra, to bring in a name or a sentence that they're repeating. Um, how do you, I know it's like, you just got to get in there and practice the swimming, right? But is, are there any tips for folks that they want to experience some more peace in their life, but just having to wake up that awareness, like to say like, oh, there are those thoughts that are causing me stress. Let me start my mantra. Let me interrupt with my mantra here. So the, the, there's two things. There's two things that, that that I always recommend when people say, "I don't know how to meditate. I don't know where. I don't have time." And I always say, "There's two times in the day that you definitely have to meditate. That's five minutes when you wake up in the morning and before you get out of bed, and five minutes before you go to sleep. You get into bed and just give yourself that time, and you can practice just using a word, using words that." make you feel grateful for life. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who, who I, I, I don't advocate any particular word or mantra. I always say like, try whatever works for you. Change it, use words that just phrases. I call it trigger words, words that just mm-hmm. trigger that awareness again, yeah. and, that, that trigger or remind you to be grateful, to be peaceful, to be calm. And if you just practice that on a daily basis, one of the one of the ways that you can do it is I recommend for absolute beginners to use thank you as your mantra. Just try, just imagine what your experience of life would be if for, for 24 hours, you just had the word thank you just going on all the time in your mind. And not thank you for this or thank you for that, just thank you. And try that. That's such a simple way to start, to start a mantra practice. That's why, like, you know... So it might have been two years ago, I did a challenge on Instagram. And that was the whole challenge. Like, that's why I knew, like, I like you so much. This is so awesome. We did, I think it was like a seven day challenge where you had to keep the mantra, thank you going 
all day, all your waking hours. First, as soon as you wake up in the morning, throughout the, you know, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, driving to work, you know, answering emails, anytime your full attention wasn't required. And then on top of that, a practice like you um, shared earlier, like present moment gratitude. So not thinking about things that you should be grateful for, like your house or your husband, but in that moment, the bed is comfortable. You know, these sheets, this new weighted blanket is really nice. It feels like a hug. You know, the temperature in this room is controlled. I like the lighting, like whatever's happening where your feet are, um, which points you to that feeling because it's about the feeling, right? Isn't it like the word, at least for me, that trigger word is pointing to the feeling that's already there. That, and it's not a feeling really, but it's like a perception, um, a comfort, a relief, a release that's already there that you were not aware of before. Like the presence of it is always there. It's just your awareness isn't there. So using that word, um, thank you to guide you to that. So guys, if you're at home and you did that practice with me, um, I think it was 2018, pick it back up. This is your sign that you should pick it back up. I remember the really good feedback and I, for, I forgot about it until this very moment. That's so cool, so cool. Very much there's, in there, mind. There's another practice that, that I think works so well, which is around acceptance. And if we understand how, like I mentioned before, how acceptance is all to do with non-resistance, Try a 24-hour challenge where for the whole day in your mind, you say, I'm not going to resist anything. I'm just going to accept everything that happens. And when you, th- when you think about it, you think that sounds absurd. Like surely there are so many things that are happening. But we realize that there are so many things that are happening, but our emotional response to them is always the first response. And I always say your, your, your first response isn't necessarily the best one. Mm-hmm. The first thing that your mind says isn't necessarily the best response. So you can practice for 24 hours, whatever is going to happen today, if there's traffic on the way to work, or if I'm late, or if something else, I'm just not going to resist. I'm just going to allow whatever's going to happen for the day, let it happen. And within reason, I think because the mind is so so fickle the mind i can imagine so many people listening right now saying hey but what about this and what about right (laughs) you can't accept everything and 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 our mind always likes to go for the worst case scenario and what if this happens or that and and i'm saying well hang on let's just try let's just try for the next day see how many the worst case scenarios happen very rarely in our life and our mind tends to go for that i'm saying let's just let's just take an ordinary day the next 24 hours and just resist. So if you're waiting for a delivery and it's not there on time, your mind is resisting. Oh, it should have been here by now. It's getting late. And you'll notice that frustration begin. And it's all because of the story. It's not because it's late. It's because the story that you're creating within your mind and and the irritation that's going on in your mind. And and what this 24-hour acceptance challenge does is it just says, hey, I don't need to start creating a little war and a battle going on in my head. Let's just see, let's just ride it out. Yeah. Let's just see how it goes and let it come when it comes. It's, it's yeah. going to come when it comes anyway. Your mental battle is not going to make it come any sooner. It's like they say that worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you. <laughs> right. No, that's genius. That's genius. And it sounds like with this practice, it'd be very powerful because as you're actively letting go of resistance moment to moment, eventually, and probably wouldn't take so long, you'd recognize that acceptance is always already happening. You know, like, so as you're letting go consciously with effort, you start realizing like before the mind starts going, 
things are just happening as they are. So peace is already here. Acceptance is always already the case. And I don't even have to do it. I don't have to do it. But in the beginning, we have to do it. <laughs> we have to practice it. Yeah. I think peace is one of the things that we realize is when you learn how to find that calm state within you. When I'm, whenever I'm doing um, guided meditations in groups and we get to the state where, where people feel this real calmness and, and, you, and we take people down a, a practice where, they're, where they don't focus on the thoughts, they don't focus on the body and they just feel this peace, peace within them. And I always have to remind people, I didn't give you this peace. The peace is always there within you. You just forgot. You just got so involved with the mental story, with the ideas of how life should be, that you forgot that something inside you is just peaceful. And there are so many little practices that you can do to just remind you, like if you ever sat in a quiet room, what you realize is the noisiest thing in that room is your thoughts. It just keeps, there's always something going on. And what I tell people is just listen to the room. Listen to how quiet the room actually is right now. And you realize, wow, I didn't realize how peaceful my surroundings were and how noisy it felt just because I was listening to the to content of the mind. And when you realize by bringing your awareness away from your thoughts, bring it to your breathing, bring it to a mantra, bring it to the silence around you, and you realize the whole universe is really quiet most of the time. And it depends where you live and if you're living in a big bustling city. But even in the noise of the city, the noise of your mind is actually worse. You can mm -hmm. deal with the noise of the traffic and, and the cars and the, and the trains and the buses. But the noise of your mind is the stuff that actually causes yeah. you a lot of anxiety and issues. And you learn to ignore the outside sounds, but you never seem to ignore what's going on inside. You're very much aware and alert, like full attention on the craziness that's going on in your mind. I love what you said, listen to or become aware of the silence in the room. I always, in the meditations that I lead, point people to silence within and without. But I think that's a very clear, like I felt that when you said that, to go right to it's really noisy in this little cramped space that I believe that I'm in. Look at all, like listen, fill into the silence that's everywhere else. <laughs> and all of a sudden things fall quiet because when you find that quiet outside, you notice that it's inside too. Like even when the thoughts are going, there's quiet there too. It's mm -hmm. noises are happening inside of that silence. The thoughts are happening inside of that silence. And once you know how to find it, it's it's really easy to turn back to, even when things are quite turbulent. That's really well put. That's really beautiful. If you're swimming every day, right? <laughs> if you're doing your swimming every day and fixing that roof before the storm comes, then it's, you know, you don't really lose sight of it. And I think one of the things that we, our minds are so capable of creating challenges, traumas, expectations for us. And one of the things, if we're not careful, is we start to create silence and meditative bliss as just another thing that we're chasing. And sometimes it's really difficult to navigate this. And this is why it's so important that you spend time with wisdom, spend time with teachers, spend time with other people who are also practicing this. So you can sense check what you're doing with other people and you realize that you can actually create quite a lot of anxiety and issue with you based on spiritual goals trying to be more peaceful or my mind is not peaceful enough or I need to be in silence and I need to be in bliss all the time. And you can create, you can move from worldly traumas 
to an internal trauma that you create for yourself and, 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 and worries. And so again, you have to just constantly check yourself and saying, oh, have I just created a re- another unrealistic expectation? Because expecting your mind to be silent is one of the worst things I think we can tell people to do. I, I, I say it's like expecting your heart to stop. Yes, I say that too. And people actually think that that's what meditation is. Stop your right. thoughts. <laughs> yeah, and your, your heart is beating all the time. That's what the organ is meant to do. And the, the job of the mind is to remind you of stuff. That's what it does. It's always like, you'll notice if there's ever a quiet moment, something that you forgot, your mind will just, just bring it to the top. And it's, I almost call it like a, a personal assistant. You wake oh, up I in love the morning, that. your personal yeah. assistant tells you, hey, this is what you need to do. Don't, don't forget this, 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 and this. And the problem is that we get so overwhelmed by the number of things that our mind is telling us to do that it starts to become something that we that causes us anxiety and issues. And so I, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the times we'll wake up in the morning and we're already late. We're already stressed. Like you, you should have woken up an hour earlier and, and now you're running out of time. And so you do, you do create so much tension just by listening to the list that your mind is constantly giving you. It's like it's never ending. It's a never ending to-do list. And it's not about expecting your mind to be silent. It's about saying, okay, those things need to be done. But right now I'm just giving myself a moment. Exactly. Coming back not to have to just go, not just have to go into that all the time and not have to be in that, that, that rat race all the time. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I think, like you said, it goes back to, again, a practice of gratitude. If you can combine, guys, that gratitude with the mantra, especially if you've never done anything like this, you'll be well on your way to this, you know, because you're triggering that feeling of true gratitude, which if, if you're thinking about your to-do list first thing in the morning, you're not where your feet are. You're not in the present moment. You're worried about 2 p.m. And I'm talking for myself because I was looking at my calendar today when I woke up and I'm like, two, three, four, five o'clock calls, you know, like back to back to back. That causes stress because you're not there yet. And when two o'clock comes, I'll be fine. I'll be just like I'm fine now. I'll be fine in that future now. So as soon as you recognize that stress, recognize that there's a thought that's saying, oh, this is coming. You know, this is happening. This is going to happen. I'm not going to be ready. I need to prepare or whatever it is. I have too much to do. I have too much on my plate. They're just thoughts. And you see them as thoughts. And you just start to learn. And and this is something that it's so important that that when when we talk about these things, we, we, we need to reiterate the point that hey, look, we're going through exactly the same stuff as you. The reason that we can talk about it is because we go through the problems and then we, 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 we remind ourselves of, of the wisdom that says, hey, go, go, and, go and get back into your into You're reaching your desperately, clinging to the wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did this once where I was, on a, uh, I was in a taxi heading to the airport and, and, and I was a taking, taking a flight to, I think it was LA or something like that. And in the taxi, I was already planning when I land, I need to do this and do this. And, I, and I've got a busy couple of days ahead. And I realized that just sitting there thinking about something that was going to come hours later after my flight, again, I was causing this unease within myself. And I had to remind myself, hey, wait a minute, you might not even make it. Like the taxi could just have a flat tire and you might not even catch the flight. And rather than that being a cause for more anxiety, it just allowed me to remind myself, hey, 
just enjoy this right now. Yeah. You're, you're getting to go on a flight. You're getting to go and do what you love and you enjoy doing that. Just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the fact that you're going there. Don't think about something that's going to be further up. Just, just bring yourself back and just enjoy. And it just allowed me to think, to realize that I don't have to always put my mind into the future. And this is what our mind is doing all the time. It seems to be incapable of just enjoying the now. Yep. It always has to go into an imagination of the future or relive some difficulty in the past. Like, mm. If you ever notice, you don't ever just sit there and relive pleasant memories. Very rarely do you do that. Most of the time you, you start reliving things about, oh, he shouldn't have said this to me and hey, that guy owes me money. And this oh, is that was really embarrassing. <laughs> you start either going into a very negative path yeah. or you start thinking about a future that hasn't happened and you create these expectations about, I, I, I want it to be like this. I hope it does this and this. And you start creating just this unease within you. And I, and, 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 I, and I use words like unease because you start to realize that what we're talking about is try and get back into a very healthy state. And you, st you can start to use language like this and saying, am I well right now? At this moment, am I healthy? Am I in my healthiest state? And you'll notice that just from your breathing, if your chest starts to feel tight and if you're breathing very shallow breath and you say, no, I, I'm not in my, my healthiest state. And this is what I meant about going into your default. When you know how healthy you can feel, how relaxed and peaceful you can feel, how long just one breath can be and how calming a single breath can be, you realize, oh, okay, I, I'm not in that state right now. Right, I just need to get back into my practice. Exactly. And I just need to go back into, exactly. into, that, into that state. And any word or wisdom that allows you to, to remind you, hey, thank you. Remember gratitude. Hey, remember thank you. Remember that there is peace within me. Whatever your mantra is, it really doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Peace is a beautiful mantra. That mm. word itself is such a beautiful mantra. Just saying the word peace, you just bring yourself back. It just reminds you, oh, right, I... I I'm meant to be in my peaceful state. That's, that's who I really am. Right. And that's the, my the thoughts and worries are always going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My like thing, my red flag is my stomach. It's almost like I'm holding my breath a little and it's tight. And so in the beginning, when I first started practicing, I realized that I'm like, when I'm, when I'm lost in thought, my stomach is tight. And so now it's like, as soon as there is any tightness there, I don't even have to go and see like, what am I thinking? It's so instant. Like, oh, stomach is tight. Peace, peace is there. Stomach releases. Like, it's just a very natural way of being now. That's my new natural state. It is the natural state, but I'm aware of it as that now. And as soon as I'm just even slightly off <laughs> to the right or left, I'm like, oh, oh where's, where's the home base? And I can go right back to it. So if you have a telltale sign, like your leg taps or your jaw is clenched, um, some people hold tension in their shoulders. I do too. Like your shoulders are up by your ears. Just relaxing, becoming aware of those things naturally relaxes it. And then you notice that those thoughts slow down for you too. And you can begin to think more clearly and effectively. Um, we're running, yeah. We are running out of time somehow. Like this Already? is so quickly. I know. But I want you to recommend um, any books. I have a couple that I want to recommend for people that are interested in learning more about mantra. And um, just like for me, how I got into it and how I started back in like, I guess it was 2013. Um, but I want to know if there are any that you'd like to recommend as well. It's really interesting that the reason that I started to do some of the things that I do and, and, and the work that I do full time now around teaching uh, people the benefits of mantra, of Nam meditation is because 
the mindfulness wisdom and the movement that was going on around the world seemed to be missing the Nam tradition that I'd been brought up with. So there's so much wisdom around um, the present moment. I mean, The Power of Now, phenomenal book by Eckhart Tolle. Um, there's so much wisdom around being in the present moment, uh, being aware of your awareness. I know, I mean, I listen to these great teachers that we have right now, Muji and Rupert Spira and Eckhart Tolle, and, and these guys are, are, are phenomenal. But I realized that there was no one teaching the mantra wisdom. And I actually, I would struggle to find a book that is teaching that wisdom, yes. and which is why what I, what, what I, what I strive to do is, is, is I'm doing a lot of work to go and look into my own tradition. My spiritual wisdom comes from a holy scripture a, called the Guru Granth Sahib. And that, ti- that, that title could be translated into the manuscript of enlightenment. Mm. And so there's so much wisdom in that tradition. And, and for me, it's about how do I bring that out? How do I translate some of the, the, the wisdom that's in there and just make it accessible to, to the world? So right now, I would say hold this space if you want more books about Nam. I'm hopefully working on, 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 on a couple oh, of Oh, I love that. Right that's now. exciting. And I, I, I'll, I I'll be the first one. Up. I'll be oh, sitting outside so the bookstore. Like I'm waiting because, I mean, your videos are very powerful. That quote I reread all the time. People have commented under that quote, like this is the most powerful explanation of mantra I've ever seen. For me, when I first started like my truer spiritual journey after my foray into law of attraction and things of that nature. Um, I found Power of Now, of course, like very early. But next was Polishing the Mirror by Ram Das, And he very much focused on mantra. And so I started, started with the mantra. I don't remember what it was back then. It was um, probably one of the Hindu deities then. And then I started listening to folks like Muji, getting even more into Eckhart. And I'm like, wait, this is, I'm thinking a thought, a name repeatedly. So which is right. And so then the mind is, it's just more and more congestion in the system. Should I be just staying with awareness and paying attention to awareness or should I be repeating something? And I would go back and forth between the two, but I noticed that my biggest leaps were happening when I had that word going because it keeps you awake. It keeps you aware because you can think that you're paying attention to awareness, this very subtle, you know, fleeting thing. Like it seems in the beginning, very slippery. And you could think that you're doing it, whatever that means, but you're also, you're thinking about stuff and you're getting lost in thought. And I think it was Krishna Das who has a book called Chance of a Lifetime. That's the other one. So Chance of a Lifetime and Polishing the Mirror. Um, another one is Be Love Now by Ram Das, all from the same line of teachers. But Krishna Das says you have to have something to come back to. And awareness is a great thing to come back to. But in the beginning, and even now, I've been doing this for many, many years, to have a word to come back to. You know, without it, he said, you just free fall. You free fall all day. You free fall. But if you have something needy to come back to, peace or thank you or Ram, that's, I go back to that all day. I don't get lost in Maya. I recognize that, okay, what is true in this moment? And I use every moment like, like an Easter egg hunt. Like what is true here? Where's the peace here? And I find that because I remember the name. And those books, I think for beginners or for seasoned spiritual seekers, they're very helpful. And you don't have to use the words that they use, um, but you have to pick them pick a word. I always say pick a horse and ride it. You have to pick something and stick to it after it fits for you and it'll take you home. I think you've raised a really important point, which is around 
picking one tradition as well. And it's amazing to learn from all these different teachers. But at some point, you have to be able to pick a particular master. And I use the example of if you were learning an instrument, you would benefit more from going to one teacher and just seeing that teacher's lessons all the way through than hopping from one and doing a couple of lessons and then going to another who might say, hey, that's wrong, try this. And you go to a third and a fourth and you keep moving between all of those. You'd probably progress a lot further just by being dedicated to one tradition. And it's not about picking sides. It's about picking what works for you. And I'm in exactly the same position as you using words. And more importantly, what's so key with a mantra practice is the emotion of love. To me, that's always been so powerful where I would have struggled with silence or just being aware of my awareness. And, and it's not to say that any of these are better or worse than other. I mean, these are all beautiful traditions. I always like to say that they're, they're different doors going into the same room. And for different people, one door might work and another door might not. And, and, and they're all just as good as each other, but you have to know which is the door that you can just easily open and easily go through. And what I found for myself was love and mantra with love and that emotion was just so powerful for me. And I think one, for me personally, music has always played a major role in my life. So I can use the power of music and meditation music mm. and combine that with the emotion of love. And I feel like when I, when I focus on love and use a mantra that brings me back into that space of love and peace, I genuinely feel like I'm back home. I feel like that's just where I exist. I, I come from, from, a, from a place of love, more so for me personally than I do from a place of silence yeah. or an emptiness. Yeah. I come from a place of fullness rather than emptiness. There's yeah. a fullness to life where I can look at nature and just trees and birds and people. And, and I just feel this overwhelming emotion of love towards everything, not for individuals, but just for the whole system as it is for life as a whole. And that, that just seems to work really well for me. So I, I recommend people, you know, certainly read all the different traditions, try different things, but notice which one just feels natural for you and be okay with if those practices work for a short amount of time for you. And after a while you say, hey, I need to evolve it. I need to change it. This is not something that you need to see as rigid. This is just you going back into your home. And sometimes doors get rusty and keys may not work and they need, <laughs> they need to be sharpened and your tools have to be refined. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It just means whatever, whatever it takes for me to get back home into that peace and that love where I can see everything as beautiful and wonderful. Like one of the, 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 the mantras that we use in, in, in Guru Nanak's tradition, which is, which is the, the spiritual master of my tradition, he uses the word wow which we call Wahe, Wah. Wahe yeah. And he goes, wow, wow is his mantra. And he just uses that again, again, Wah, Wah, wow. And everything that you look at, wow. And that brings everything you Everything is a miracle. Amazing everything. euphoric phase because every, everything that you look at brings you into that state of wonderment. I almost think of it like a baby just looking at life for the first mm -hmm. time, looking at the world and going, wow, look at this. And for... For people who've just looked at the same thing their whole life, they think, oh, that's just a tree. But if you can look at it with the, with the eyes of a baby, look at it with those fresh eyes, then everything and everyone has that element of wonderment and yeah. you can have that. And, and, and when we talk like that, I, I'm, I'm aware that 
it could sound quite wishy-washy. It could sound like for people, you know, what's he talking about? That's not real life. You know, get, get back into the real world. And I'm almost thinking it's the opposite. This actually feels like the real world. It this is. feels like the real space and the stuff that's going on in your head. That's not, that's, that's not the real world. Exactly. That's just a fantasy. That's just stories that's going on in your mind. If you can actually look at the real world and just look at it for what it is, it is beautiful. And that's yeah. not to say that there isn't difficulties and there aren't people who are going to be really difficult and, and situations that are going to challenge us. But there is beauty in so much. We can, I mean, I, I, I want people to get to a point where just breathing brings you into a state of wow. Yes. Just realize if you just take a deep breath in and you realize, wow, I'm breathing. Like sometimes I've just, I've been blown away by what is breath? What, what is this? What is my body? Yeah. What is the stuff going on? I don't know if you've ever had, you almost have this kind of outer body experience. And I know children have this because you see babies doing this. They start to just look at <laughs> yes. the hands. Like, what, like, is this? what is this? <laughs> wow. <laughs> children do this. And if yeah. you can do that as an adult to just take a moment to appreciate, what is this? Like, mm. it's not mine. I, did, I didn't create this body. Look at these legs. They move. And it yeah. sounds ridiculous. I, but I, the I mind is like, they're legs. Duh. Yeah, they're legs. <laughs> your mind yeah. doesn't want to have that. Yeah. But if you can just overcome that and you experience mm. the wonderment of every moment, you'll be in such a great space within you. And if you can just practice being into that, getting back into that space, then the difficulties of life really don't come close yeah. to where you are. Exactly. They don't seem to be able to touch you because you're just in this amazing internal space. Yeah. No, I love when you said you resonated more with fullness. That's a word I use a lot because that's how it's experienced here. That love for me, the teachers that point to emptiness, and I'm sure that works for some. And I can get to, I can, I can become aware of that, but it doesn't feel like home. When I am home, I feel full. And it's like, there's such a fullness of love that like you said, when you look out at the world, you see everything in that love. So I always tell the folks I work with, you see everything from that feeling of love. You see with the eyes of love. So like you said, you're looking at a tree, but now you're it's like you're looking at the tree from love, in love, as love, and it transforms the way you interact with everyone and everything. And I think music plays a massive part in helping us get into this state because for me, love and that fullness is just amplified when I'm listening to meditative yes. music and when I'm listening to mantra music. And when, I, when, I, when I'm in, in that space, music, and again, it's just a personal thing because music has always been something that's been really personal to me and been really powerful for me. And even now, sometimes I'll notice that I just feel off. I don't feel quite right. Something doesn't feel right. I feel down, whatever it is. Yeah. And I've, I've learned now, you know what, whatever it is, if you just switch this music on or this music on, I can bring myself out of that. Exactly. I can just, I can exactly. just snap out of it. And so music is a really big part of this love tradition. And I always say that what, what it's doing is it's allowing you to see the song of life. Mm. Life is a song. There's this, just the fact that the sun rises every day. Yeah. I mean, there's something beautiful going on about that. And the fact that there are birds that are singing and the trees are swaying in, in the breeze. It's like there's a song that's going on. And if you have access to spiritual music that allows you to, to 
almost be in your inner song and your inner song can connect with the song that's yes. going on all the time. Yes. So music and, and mantra and love, those are the elements that just seem to be so powerful. And, I, and, and in this world where everybody's talking about mindfulness and yoga and some of the other things, the only thing that I'm, I'm trying to do is I'm aware how beautiful these traditions are, but in the same way as some of those things don't seem to quite work for me, I'm sure there are so many other people that say, hey, I've tried all that meditation, mindfulness stuff, and it doesn't work. And I want to remind people there's, there's other traditions. There's traditions that are very full and very joyful and have a lot of song and love and melody to them. And you can try that because if you're anything like me, then that might work better for exactly. you. Exactly. Just, just as a way to help you try a different door back into that same room. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, music is my life and it's changed. Like I used to listen to lots of different types of music. I still like some trap music too, but if you tuned into what I'm listening to on a daily basis, like when we get off of here, I'll go back to my devotional music and it's all I, Hindu devotional music, Christian devotional music, um, classical. I love classical music now. Um, just because it's pointing me to that love and I can feel love, you know, with certain notes. And I never thought of it like the song of life. That's really beautiful. But yeah, music for me, the mantra, whatever mantra, you know, that I'm using at this moment in this life, um, it gets me through. And like you said, nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch what you truly and, are. And I, I love what you said there because you realize that it doesn't matter what tradition the music's coming from. It's just... It's almost that, that love. And if it's, <laughs> yeah. and if it's, it's, if it's using a name, a way to, to express love for the universe and for that universal life force, then it doesn't matter what word or what name exactly. you use. And, and, and different times, different names will resonate with you. And I listen to all sorts of different spiritual music and it doesn't matter what spiritual tradition you're listening to. All of the music is coming from that space of love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I can feel that. And there's certain artists where I can feel it tremendously. You know, it could be the same song. I've heard the same chant from different places, but there's just like the one I'm like, oh, that's it. I could tell they were singing to love, singing from love, in love while those words are coming from them. And it points you back home every time. That's teachers too. You can tell when they're hooked up to source, <laughs> when it's yeah. coming freshly from that place instead of just, you know, from the mind. Yeah. Can you um, tell everyone how to find you and what you're up to and how they can learn from you, from this wisdom through you? Yeah. I mean, I've been a couple of years ago. So my background really is, is, is in IT and I've been on a journey of my own of trying to understand the spiritual wisdom of, of the tradition that I was born into. And I think about maybe four or five years ago, I realized that this was just something that I had to, I had to share and I had to spread in the world. And I, and I just created a YouTube channel called Nanak Nam. And I did it in my spare time while I was, you know, kind of going about my day job. And it was just something that I would be going to various places and delivering talks and lectures. And I just thought, hey, I'll just put it online and, and, and I won't think much of it. Just because there was a part of me that wanted to make this wisdom available. I didn't find too many people that were talking about it from the angle that I was. And, and you were so full, it was spilling over. <laughs> you couldn't help it. That I, just, I, I just had to do. And I think when I realized that over the few, over the few years when I, when I was doing it part-time, the, the impact that it was beginning to have on people and when I realized how powerful this message was, and I always say it's not me, it's, it, it's the message itself. 
and I was getting emails from people literally saying, hey, I was, I was, I was about to commit suicide and, and your video saved me. And I realized I, I, I need to do more of this stuff. This stuff is having such a huge impact on people's life. And I, and I think 2016, I, I stopped my, my work in my IT career and I said, I'm just going to do this full time. And since then, I, 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 in the UK, I set up an, a nonprofit organization. And, and this is just what I do full time now. And, I, and I'm on all the social media channels, predominantly on YouTube, but on Instagram and Facebook as well. And you could just search for Nanak Nam, and and what that li- really those two words mean. Nanak is the name of the the guru, the teacher, the founder of this wisdom, and Nam is his message, the message of mantra, the Nam, the love mantra based meditation. And you can just kind of Google those and and and, and see if if anything resonates with you. There there's so many videos and, and and so many different lectures that I talk about things to do with the mind, to do with acceptance, about happiness, about life, about resistance, dealing with grief and loss and, 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 and all the different aspects of life in which Nam has helped me. And I just share that with the world. And I'm so blessed that I get an opportunity to talk to people like you and meet so many amazing people and just spread this amazing teaching. Hi, this is Sapal Singh. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you're enjoying our podcast. If you'd like to help us create more spiritual content, then head over to our website nanaknam.org forward slash donate and think about setting up a regular monthly donation. We're a 100% non-profit organization, so all your donations go directly into the charity and help us to create and share Gurmat spiritual wisdom. With your support, we're taking Gurmat global.